This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. In New York City, I got a line. Here's how it goes. I got a line in New York City. Sorry, sir, we're about to close. I got a line in New York City. I got a line. Was me they chose. I'll say it fine in New York City. Sorry, sir. We're about to close. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. This is a very interesting song and one of the most talked about songs that there is right now. Primarily because of the innovative technology that is used to create the music video. If you're wondering... What band has created this sort of a song? Believe it or not, it's actually Gun Hill Road, the very same band that years ago brought us back when my hair was short. And if that voice sounds familiar, it's because it is the voice behind one of the most listened to podcasts, at least when it comes to talk media around, and somebody that has been a guest on this show many times. The one and only Michael Harrison, founder of Talkers Magazine and a member of the rock band Gun Hill Road. Michael, it's great to have you back on the program. It's always great to be with you, Frank. Thank you so much for that lovely intro, and thank you for playing some of our songs. Michael, I know a lot of folks in our audience know you as a DJ. Other folks know you as a journalist. Other folks know you as a podcaster. A lot of folks may need a little bit of a reminder as to how you became a rock star at an age when most people are retiring from the rock star game. Remind us how you came to be a member of Gun Hill Road. Way back in the early days of album rock radio, I was uh, in my early 20s, a uh, DJ. Um, we were sort of music gurus in those days on the legendary WNEW-FM in New York City. I hosted the morning show. We're talking 1971 and 1972. And back in those days, we played whatever we wanted to. We were, we were as I said, we were music gurus. We were presenters. And um, I took a liking to Gun Hill Road. They were um, a local New York band, young guys, same age as me. Um, they had uh, two albums, uh, one on Mercury, one on Kama Sutra, which are old labels that uh, music fans may remember. And uh, they had the hit back when my hair was short. I used to play them all the time. Um, every day I played them on my show and uh, championed them. And uh, as a result, became sort of like, you know, the fifth Beatle. I, 
<laughs> I, I became part of the group without being part of the group. Well, they all stayed together in one way or another over the decades, put out album after album, have an international following. And about um, six years ago, I actually became a member of the group. And that's how I became a member of Gun Hill Road. And since then, um, a bunch of seasoned citizens, if you will, have been making extremely um, creative and experimental and um, powerful lyrics, interesting uh, videos. We've been doing some very interesting work that's captured the attention of people in talk media. And we have uh, the world's first talk media rock band as opposed to talk, I, I, you know, music radio. It's, it's I, talk I think radio. It's, I think it's terrific. I mean, you guys have done uh, just in the last few years, and we've spoken before some great songs about animals and animal rights and some great songs about sort of the uh, stupidity and the idiocy that's so prevalent in, uh, in the news talk world. And even beyond that, the political world as well. And this video has gotten a lot of attention. I'm going to link to it right now at uh, my Facebook page. People can watch it at facebook.com slash Morano fan. They can also just search uh, if, on YouTube and it'll come right up. But you can go to my Facebook page and it's right up there. I got a line in New York City. AI is uh, clearly used to create a lot of the images in this video, if not all the images. Is there also oh, an AI component? Is there also an AI component to the music itself or is it just the images in the video? There's no AI component to the music. The music is as organic as anything could be. It's, it's all human beings playing real instruments. No synthesizers. No, it's, it's, it's horns. It's Dixieland. Guitars, drums. Um, my vocals are totally unenhanced. I, I, I wish they were, but they, they're not. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's the video that has... It's like a computer uh, lucid dream or a fever dream. It presents New York City in this alternative universe aspect. And uh, every single panel of art has all kinds of Easter eggs. If you look at it closely, you see that it has all the elements of a lucid dream. Um, some of the characters will have two right hands or two left hands. Um, the main protagonist, who we call... Brando Young. We told the computers to come up with a, a young actor that looks like young Marlon Brando. And all these different takes on what Brando might have looked like if he were the, the main character in this. And of course, it's an interesting story. It's a story song um, about an actor, a young actor comes to Broadway, winds up just being a waiter, finally gets a part in a play. It's an off-Broadway play. It's the smallest off-Broadway play. The theater's in Queens. And he has one line in the play and the line he plays a bartender and the one line is, sorry, sir, we're about to close. And it, the play only lasts a couple of days and he gets the message. Sorry, pal, your your show's about to close. So it's, it's kind of an interesting story. But the view of New York City, the streets, the bars, the the whole texture of New York and the characters and weird technology, like if it refers to a telephone, the telephone looks like a radio. Um, there's one scene in which the actors, you know, says, my career's ab about to go, no more slow-mo. And we told the computer, put him on a tortoise, have him riding on a giant turtle. And it mm. gave us back something very interesting. He's on a turtle with handlebars. <laughs> the, hand the computer came up with the handlebars. And, and so it's an interesting uh, exercise 
in what's one of the most heated debates right now, and that is, is AI art original and creative, copyrightable, or is it a ripoff? And that's a really big debate. So so far, as of now, a federal judge has ruled that you can't copyright the any AI art. So as of now, I guess people would be free to reproduce all the images in this video, if not necessarily the song, wherever they want. Absolutely. And we don't mind that because the purpose, the reason we did this was to spark debate, uh, spark discussion and, and sort of contribute this art, even though it's really darn original. <laughs> well, no, it certainly the, the is. The irony and is I, you could steal things into an original assemblage. I uh, I mess around with this AI art uh, a lot of the time, and it's a lot of fun. You, you can actually go down a rabbit hole, and I find, you know, you, you look up and you've just spent two hours trying to create, uh, you know, uh, elephants playing stickball on Mars. And uh, w- right. in, in, with a 1950s, Atlantic City backdrop, and you just you just could go on forever. What specific AI technology did you guys use for the images in this in this video? Uh, a, a whole bunch of them. Uh, uh, so I, I I can't really say any one. Um, oh, my, so there's my, a bunch. My, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the song is a great tribute to New York City, and uh, it's one of the reasons I really love it. As a lifelong New Yorker and someone that's very proud to be here, I get so disappointed when I see friends, neighbors, people I grew up with getting so down on New York City and longing to move to places like North Carolina or Florida. Nothing against those places. But to me, I mean, why would you want to be anywhere else? And when people call in from around the country and say, is New York City still a great place to visit? I enthusiastically say yes. As somebody that worked here, Michael, as a DJ, and as somebody that uh, helped voice and conceptualize this great tribute to New York, what do you think about New York City that makes it so special? Oh, New York is special just by being New York. I mean, there's no place in the world like it. It's, it's romantic. It's industrious. It's a melting pot. And it has pains and it has glories. It has ups and it has downs. And um, there's an old saying in the real estate world and the business world, never bet against New York, because when it's down, it's going to come back. And uh, you're doing a great service to New York, uh, to your fellow New Yorkers, to the business of New York and to the image of New York by what you're saying. And, uh, of course, your show is heard now not just in New York. And an overnight show in New York is just goes right to the very heart of radio's roots and traditions. But uh, you're 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 bringing some of that magic all across the country uh, because uh, it's it's the city that never sleeps. Uh, That's for sure. I would say that New York is here to stay. And that New York is interpretable by what you bring to your relationship with it, which is also what we're showing in this video. So absolutely answer. All right. Uh, We're talking with Michael Harrison. He is the publisher of Talkers Magazine, a member of Gun Hill Road. You want to see the video, you can go to my Facebook page. Uh, You can also check out Talkers at Talkers.com. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. 
Michael, as you know, there's a lot of fear of AI, and that's particularly pronounced among every variety of artists, uh, writers, actors, radio people, painters, you name it. Why embrace AI in this video? And I know it was done intentionally to, I don't know, spark this very discussion at a time when so many artists are afraid that it's going to take all of our jobs. Well, it, it really won't take jobs. It's just going to up the ante in terms of what an artist has to bring to the table, so to speak. You have to be more original. You have to learn how to finesse the software, how to talk to the computer, how to tell the com- The way you were saying before, you know, I want elephants playing, you know, ping pong on Mars with a 1950s backdrop. The AI will enhance your ability to be creative. It won't be creative for you. And... Throughout history, artists have complained that new instruments of art are taking away the art and taking away the job of the artist. I'm sure the original cave painters who painted with their fingers with pigments directly onto the walls of caves probably were up in arms when somebody invented the paintbrush. They probably said, that's not art. That's cheating. It's a paintbrush. Art should come from the fingers. And then, of course, when they invented uh, parchment, and paper that was the original mobile media <laughs> and you know it's, it's not art if it's not on a cave wall which is here to stay you know it, this has always been the case look technology whether it's nuclear energy or the automobile uh, any kind of technology is a double-edged sword and now with ai which is for real Combine that with virtual reality, combine that with a forthcoming thing called quantum computing. Um, We are going into an era where we have to learn how to handle this because the technology could be the end of us. Um, I don't mind artists having their hands on, on AI. I'm not happy about politicians having their hands on AI. The danger lies in deep fakes. The the danger lies in fake news, um, in uh, taking away the safety net we had of, well, there's a picture of it, there's a recording of it, there, there's a video of it. You can't believe anything anymore. And that this is a very troubling thing about today's media and today's politics, is the, the propensity toward manipulation and deception. And AI really works very well in terms of that. So we have to be very careful about that. Beyond that, And we don't have the time, but maybe someday we'll devote a longer conversation or you can get other guests to discuss this. There's tremendous danger in terms of AI and um, the advances in computerization and the digital age in totally robbing us of our privacy. And Frank, Mm -hmm. without privacy, that's just as much a danger to democracy as uh, infringement upon the First Amendment, freedom of speech, freedom for privacy and uh, It's very difficult now to have any privacy whatsoever, and it's getting worse. And AI and um, computers feed into that. Uh, I think you really hit the nail on the head with what I wrestle with when using AI on a regular basis and some of the concerns and some of the hopes and fears that I've heard from listeners when discussing AI. You know, there's just an enormous, incredible upside potential where you have potential for innovations in medicine, including diagnostic, uh, diagnostic procedures, which are superior to what humans are able to do. You've already seen 
seen incredible, uh, incredible progress when it comes to space exploration led by AI. Then you have the downside of um, jobs lost, which uh, I know, you know, if you alluded to artist jobs, but there's a lot of other jobs in the legal field, other fields that could be affected by AI. And ultimately, something like nuclear war or, or a Terminator 2 Judgment Day scenario. How do we balance the two, Michael? How do we use AI the way a math student uses a calculator and not be totally replaced by it like the Borg would? First of all, your question is rhetorical. That is the question we all should be asking. I, I cannot take it on myself to give you a, an exact answer uh, because it is a severe uh, existential problem that the human race faces. Um, I would say, though, to, to offer some type of an answer is that we have to look at our own character. We have to, we have to up the character of our culture, which is a very difficult thing. We have to reevaluate education. We have to teach coming generations, how to utilize this technology, and not just AI, all of the new technology in a way that is just, in a way that um, is uh, ethical, and that has integrity, and um, how people growing up in the world can protect themselves from the unbelievable dangers that we're facing in what seems to be a technologically enhanced and yet character-depleted society. Our, our society, in my opinion, it goes back to Idiots, the song that we did, is really suffering right now in terms of having a backbone of integrity, a common awareness of what truths are uh, deemed to be self-evident, and um, that which we call sanity. <laughs> We're becoming insane. Mm. So, so I, the question's rhetorical, and I think that there should be more discussions like this going on in talk media. Speaking of those discussions, we had a lot of those great discussions at the re recent uh, talkers conference at Hofstra University. And Lee Harris was on one of the panels. Uh, Lee Harris, legendary New York news anchor, who's now doing a great job over at News Nation. And he talked about AI being able to do an entire radio show, a talk show with multiple hosts where you can program the hosts to be funny, to be quirky, to agree, to disagree, uh, to be flirtatious and really program a whole talk show. Could we see a day in the near future where you have a whole talk station that consists of AI people that are no longer with us? Maybe Rush Limbaugh doing middays, I miss Paul Harvey. Is that something that could happen? It could happen very much the way we have creative writers who write scripts and dialogues and plays and movies and, you know, depict Benjamin Franklin talking to uh, John Adams. Um, mm. who, who knows what they said, but it won't be original. Um, look, so many of the talk shows, and I don't count you as part of this because I think that you're amazingly talented and uh, a, a rising star who's already reached the level of stardom and you're still rising, but so many talk shows in America today are just talking points that it's no <laughs> right. wonder a computer could put together something. They're predictable. <laughs> so what the talk show hosts have to do to prevent that from happening is bring something to the table that you didn't read that morning in the Wall Street Journal or, or online. Uh, critical thinking, original thinking. That's what, what I'm saying is it's upping the game. 
Yeah. Anybody could put together a program uh, that sounds like a real program because many of these are just people spinning cliches at each other. And, um, you know, that's, um, it's a pretty harsh answer. Um, no, I, no, I love it. I love it. And uh, look, I guess if you program a computer to say Hunter Biden's cocaine and weaponized Justice Department, there's two hours a day right there. Um, we're talking with Michael Harrison. Hey, speaking of kind of the formulaic nature of what's on a lot of talk radio, and I, I don't want to uh, I, look, I l- listen to talk radio 10 hours a day. So there are a lot of very talented hosts uh, out there. I don't want to sound like I'm uh, I'm uh, dumping on the whole industry. I'm certainly not. But one of the things Bill O'Reilly said, uh, both uh, to me on the radio, and I I think he might have even said it at uh, one of the interviews you've done with him over the years, is that when Donald Trump got elected president, he ruined cable news because cable news went from being something that talked about everything to being something that exclusively talked about Donald Trump. And I do wonder if talk radio is at risk of doing the same thing when we have especially these indictments, but the campaign in general, so dominating so much of what's on news talk radio. Do you see Trump's candidacy and the related issues like the indictments and so forth being a boon to talk radio or something that is a detriment to talk radio? I see it as both. I see it as a boom to media and to commercial media because, let's face it, Donald Trump translates to ratings and ratings translates to dollars. Now, that's a very dangerous concept, isn't it? If you have any respect for the importance of journalism, critical thinking, honesty, and um, public service. So uh, uh, Trump has brought out the worst (laughs) in all media. The, the, the media that supports him and the media that is critical of him all mm-hmm. gain equally by his presence. And the fact that in America, we spend all of our time, most of our time in terms of the public marketplace of ideas, obsessed with this character, whether you love him or not, shows you what I said before about how shallow we are and how blind we are to the critical thinking, the education, and the original thinking that we need to muster up to be able to meet the challenges ahead. Talking with Michael Harrison, you could read Talkers Magazine at talkers.com. I look forward to that uh, daily email every day. Michael, one of the things that uh, a lot of talk radio owners were concerned was going to be almost an existential threat to talk radio as we know it today was these car manufacturers taking AM radio out of their cars. It looks like uh, the bill to mandate that car manufacturers maintain AM radio is uh, likely to go before the full Senate, and it looks like it has a pretty good chance of passing. It's got bipartisan support. Is that a, is that a big deal, Michael, or uh, is are people in the industry making a bigger deal about it than it actually is? Uh, it's both a big deal and it's being made a bigger deal. <laughs> I, yeah. Do you love my answers? I say both. I do. I love questions. this. <laughs> but because uh, I try to look at all the sides. Um, look, no matter what, AM and FM are eventually going to be replaced by digital. It's already happening. 
The argument is to slow it down because there are many, many people who still need AM and FM radio. And when they throw out AM, they're going to throw out FM. Uh, the people who think it's only AM are not seeing the bigger picture. Um, we need to keep radio as in broadcasting over the air with a transmitter to an AM or FM device, we have to keep that alive for at least another 10 years because there are people that rely on it. That's the simplest answer I can give you as opposed to all the list of answers because it's been talked about a lot. People rely on it. And as we celebrate the 100th anniversary of radio, there's deep cultural connection to radio, much more than, say, to 8-track machines, CD players, you know, or uh, uh, compact digital discs. <laughs> so uh, I, I think it's an important subject. I don't think it's the end of radio or the end of the world, but I think that it's only right to pressure the car companies to keep it, keep it around for another five to 10 years so that the generational changes that happen can be done smoothly. There'll always be a WABC or Frank Morano. There'll always be talk shows and there'll always be this thing radio. It doesn't really matter what the device is that you hear it on as long as it's the spirit, just like films. We have cinema today. Most of the cinema today is being watched on television and most of television is computerized streaming. The categories change, but the concept of the art remains the same. So the people in the radio business have to maintain their idea of what is radio and then keep that spirit going uh, appropriately through the evolution of media that is undoubtedly on its way. Um, that, that's the, the quickest way I can answer your question. I know it's late. I'm going to let you go in a moment. But a lot of people, when they've told me about the moments over the last 20 years when AM radio has really made a difference in their lives, it's been in times of crisis. It's been after September 11th. It's been after the uh, Northeastern blackout of 2003. It's been after uh, Hurricane Sandy, things like that. I'm wondering what role radio, specifically talk radio, played in the recent Hawaiian wildfire disasters. I know there was a lot of criticism of the emergency management response, not sounding the sirens, improper text alerts, that whole thing. Did radio step up to the plate on this one, Michael? Radio stepped up to the plate big time, Frank. I mean, this whole uh, Maui fire situation is proof of radio's power, because that's all there was, was radio. And one of the things that a lot of people pointed out to me was that the radio broadcasting in Hawaii um, was honest, that, it, that the people were able to get accurate information. The Internet, on the other hand, was full of misinformation about what people should do, life-threatening misinformation. So if radio can maintain integrity and keep its present infrastructure, uh, it is a vital component going forward, especially since we have no power over natural disasters. And it seems like they just come one after the other. And, and, and then there are, you know, man-made disasters that are possible as well. So, yes, radio stepped up to the plate big time in Maui, both as a, um, a, a utility that brought information to people and as an antidote to the toxic misinformation that pollutes the Internet.
Michael Harrison. Hey, by the way, a lot we've been talking so much about talk radio, but I think people who heard what you said earlier when you were on WNEWFM about being able to play whatever you want, that may uh, strike them as a little bit jarring. Are there any DJs left in America that get to play whatever they want on the air? I'm sure there there are, but um, not too many of them. <laughs> the guys, the guys that are playing whatever they want on the radio stations today are the big brass, the bean counters that are running the big corporations. They're the ones making the choices, and they don't put a lot of thought into it. It's very play it safe, and that's why radio today has lost its ownership of the music culture in the world or in America, maybe in other parts My- of the world, it still has it. Michael Harrison, our conversations are always thought-provoking. I always love talking with you. I hope people check out uh, the video, and uh, it's a great song. Congratulations. Thank you, and uh, they can get directly to it on your Facebook page or at igotaline.com. igotaline.com. All right, we're going to take your calls in a moment. Uh, Questions, comments, thoughts, disagreements, agreements, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. 